Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means. You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood on this Holy Week. And um, before we get started, we will start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us, and we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and um, guide this conversation. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Week it is. Me and Thaddeus are... Um, We're recording here on the Monday of Holy Week. On the Monday of Holy Week, and Indeed. this will air tomorrow, right? Yes, sir. Or you're, you're listening to it on the Tuesday of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I, I thought that this week would be, or this show would be good to be focused on Holy Week, and um, at least in part, we'll we'll look at um, we'll look at the um, document that, well, actually, the general audience that the Pope, Pope Francis did last year, right before um, right before Easter of last year. And leading into that, which I think is still fitting today, um, on the Easter Triduum in particular. Mm-hmm. But so, and uh, do you know a little trivia? I I think I'm getting this right. This was given on Wednesday of Holy Week. This audience that we're going to talk about. Do you know what the nickname for that day is? I don't. I believe that is Spy Wednesday. Spy Wednesday. Spy Wednesday, because that in the reading for that day, that's the reading talking about when Judas would go find a time to hand Christ over to the authorities. Oh, and he wow. made his made his deal for the thirty pieces of silver. I think I'm getting that right. So yeah, I don't know. And, and is is to, I'm I'm asking because I'm not sure. Tuesday, the day this is happening, is the Chrism Mass? Is that correct? Is Chrism Mass on Tuesday, or is that on is that on Holy Thursday in the morning? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, well, we're not liturgists. We're not no, trained I'm liturgists. Not, I'm not so. a liturgist, but um, there's so much going that on. Is this an, week. That is an, that is a mass that take a special mass that takes place during Holy Week for sure. We can say that for sure. Yes, the Chrism Mass, and that's where all the oils that will be used at the Easter Vigil. Uh, are blessed, right? Correct. That's that's my understanding. And they all the different oils are are blessed. Usually the priests go. There's typically here. I don't think there's even not not that there would not normally be mass, but right. I think lots of times they're they're over. Um, there's the chrism oil. There's the oil of the catechumens, and there is. I thought there was a third. There's a third oil that is not used. We are so bad. Add off, as off. We but um, we're not. We're not liturgists. That's right. We're not liturgists. But, but anyway, and the, this audience that we're talking about from Pope Francis, I don't. It doesn't, doesn't really. Doesn't it doesn't really address those, those matters. So I, what, what it does, I think, is, um, I mean, his his main point is, I think, to point out which the three days of the of the triduum, um, kind of what they're 
um, what they're for. There's so many great things that go on. In fact, I was talking to my son yesterday over in Austin, and um, he was saying that he had gone to maybe there was a Tenebrow. What is it? Is that what it's called? Um, which was a service that I assume is generally takes place on Good Friday. I think they they do it at, at a different time. But but he was telling me I've never been. But he was telling me he went a few years back with a friend and, and okay. I've got the three oils. I looked okay, it up on okay on <laughs> the one the great and, brain of the world. That's right. <laughs> um, so it's Holy Thursday morning is the Chrism Mass. All the priests in a diocese gather with their bishop at the cathedral to celebrate the Chrism Mass. He blesses three oils. And they're the oils that are going to be used in the administration of the sacraments for the whole year. Right. Oil of the catechumens. Ching, we got that. The holy chrism oil. Ching, we got that. And then the oil of the infirm. Is oh, the other wow. Oil. Okay, so the oil that they would use for, for the sacrament, the yeah. anointing the, of the sick. Anointing of the sick, extreme unction, whatever you like yeah. to, to call um, it. Yep. That's cool. Um, yeah, he did. So... There's so much to learn during this time, um, and so many things kind of to dive into what what goes on. And I think this audience kind of um, addresses some of the main issues. So I'll just start. You know, he's he's already saying we're immersed in in the Holy Week, and then um, he's talking from Thursday to Sunday. We'll live the central days of the liturgical year, celebrating the mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord. Um, and we live this mystery every time we celebrate the Eucharist. So not just at this time, but at, at every Mass, we celebrate that. So when we go to Mass, we do not go only to pray. No, we go to renew and to bring about again this mystery, the Paschal mystery. It's important not to forget this, he says. It is as though we're going to Calvary, it is the same, to renew, to bring about, again, the Paschal mystery, which is, again, the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord. I, I always tell my kids, you know what, you know, being a Catholic, you know, uh, I, I, I would say it took me a while to, to, to put this in words, but I'm like, okay, why do we believe that Jesus, because I've had one of my older sons who had you know, had an atheist friend who was a, a good guy, um, who was honest, who did that, but did not believe in God. And, and, and he said that he was, he was talking about how, well, I know Catholics that I know Christians that, that aren't as good as he is. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and I also know people who believe other things, Muslims and, and that, that, that tend to live lives, which is really a testimony against, against us frequently, because we should, because we have this, but what I what I said was, but so why do we why do we why do we believe what we believe to be the truth? And ultimately, it comes down to um, if you've ever read, and again, this is a Protestant thing, but I think it it makes sense. The case for Christ. Mm -hmm. This guy was trying to disprove Christianity because his wife had just been baptized and gone in he was an atheist and he went to a christian friend and the christian friend will said if you want to debunk what she's doing then the central thing that causes us to um, believe is if you can disprove the resurrection and and that really pointed back to why you know i was i jokingly say the greatest shot ever called, you know, not Babe Ruth pointing out to left field or not not a, not Larry Bird coming in saying, I'm going to get the ball here and, and put it in the basket before they both did those things was that Christ had said, I will die and be resurrected on the third on the third day prior to that. Mm -hmm. And it's that that God has said, this is. The reason St. Paul says as much, if he didn't rise from the dead, then we're the, we're the saddest of all people. We're the, we're the fools of all people. Right. So the central mystery is what he went through for us and what we celebrate and, and try to bring back to memory. And then actually because of the liturgy and because of what's going on, actually it's made present again in and through the mass, which we start on Holy Thursday with, um, with, 
the Holy Thursday, the the Mass of the Lord's Last Supper, right? And if you haven't been to that, it's not it's not a holy day of obligation, but it's a beautiful thing. If you haven't been, that's where they, in addition to the Mass, which is obviously the the renewing of the Last Supper, the, that's where the priest typically will wash the feet of usually 12 um, to beckon us back or call us back to thinking what Christ did on that, on that night um, for his apostles that he um, washed their feet and, um, and was a servant and points us back to the fact that we're called to be servants of all. So um, what he does here is kind of go through what each of the days are, are about um, and why we should do it. So he talks about Holy Thursday as being, um, it's, it's the evening when Christ left his disciples, the Testament of his love in the Eucharist, not as a memento, but as a memorial, as he is everlasting presence. Every time we celebrate the Eucharist, as I said at the beginning, this is quoting him, we renew the mystery of redemption. In the sacrament, Jesus substituted the sacrificial victim, the paschal lamb, with himself. His body and blood grant us salvation for the, from the slavery of sin and death. The salvation from every form of slavery is, is there. It is the evening in which he asks us to love one another by becoming servants to one another, as he did in the washing of the feet of his disciples, a gesture that anticipates his bloody oblation on the cross. And indeed, the Master and Lord will die on the next day to purify not the feet, but the hearts of the entire life of the entire life of his disciples. It was an oblation of service to us all because with that service of his sacrifice, he redeemed us all. And I think that's that that's essential. I mean, the the washing was a sign that I think it points us back to the fact that Christ became human and he left us with signs and symbols of what he's accomplishing in and th- in and through what he's going to do that very next day on Good Friday. Um, he is leaving us with tangible outward signs of realities that we can't see. So that's, I mean, we talk about this being the mystery of parenthood and I was talking with Colby this past weekend and that is, you know, those words sacrament comes from sacramentum, which in the, I think the Greek translation is mysterion and typically the church while not separating them lots of time when they use, so the sacrament outward sign, visible sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. The outward signs are the things that we see, the bread and the wine, um, that are used as signs of what he's doing by offering himself as a victim. Um, But their invisible reality is that he himself is present there. It's not, like he says, it's not a memento like, oh, cool, we have this thing to remember him by solely. It actually is affecting, causing to happen in reality, invisibly, through visible signs, what he's offering. So he's offering himself uh, to the Father. And that's, again, we've talked about the Mass. And the Mass is the offering of the Lamb of God, the, the perfect sacrifice to and us together with him. And, and not just recalling it in memory, but actually being made present at that sacrifice to do that. And I think it's, uh, you know, for, for us to always recall that there are invisible realities that are going on that are central to what it means to be Catholic. Um, they're the mysteries. Like I said, like I was trying to say, the sacrament usually used for the outward signs, not that there's a difference. And mystery is often used for the invisible reality that those r- represent. But it's not merely a representation. It's actually an actualization, if, if that's the correct word. I don't know. But it's, it's actually what it symbolizes, and it causes what it symbolizes. So, Hey, I, I wanted to 
say something about, I think that's kind of adjacent to what the Holy Father was, was speaking about in terms of uh, Holy Thursday, his, his emphasis on sacrifice, right. the sacrificial vi- victim, that, that the sacrifice is what earns us the, the earns salvation for us. This is just yesterday at the Palm Sunday liturgy. Um, Father, you know, incensing the altar. Right. right. And I was saying to my wife afterward, you know, that's probably a there's probably an argument for we should incense the altar more often because you don't incense a table of. Um, you know, a communal meal table. Right. You incense an altar of sacrifice. You incense something that is going to have um, a sacrificial offering made onto it to God. I mean, it really brings home the sacrificial nature of the altar, that, right. it, that it is an altar prim- primarily. It does have those attributes of being a table, but it's primarily, essentially, uh, an altar. And brings home that what we're entering into is a sacrifice. Right. And so the church will say that there are really three things that are going on in the mass. You've got, you've got, um, meal, you have presence and you have sacrifice. And those are all three both represented in, in what's going on, but, but are all three present in that, but we call it the sacrifice of the mass. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, to be very clear, we're not re-sacrificing. We're making present again. We're representing, not not just representing. We're representing the perfect sacrifice that occurred on Calvary at that moment to God. We're offering Jesus body, blood, soul, and divinity, and then us together. That's why it's so important for us to not just understand, but we're meant to give ourselves together with him. We're meant, and we talked about the when they drop the water in that that's that's symbolic of our of our offering and him commingling it or bringing it into him, and then God looks down, God the Father looks down at the perfect sacrifice that we're becoming part of, so to speak, that we're offering ourselves together with him because we are the body of Christ, and that's what we're we're meant to do. So. It's important to remember that everything that we do leading up to this, you know, you can't, you don't separate the Paschal mystery. You don't separate any of those um, from the other because the death without the resurrection, the passion without the resurrection is just another person dying, right? It's, it's that he was resurrected from the dead and that, because of that, he has redeemed our humanity. He's bought back what we lost in our humanity because of sin in the back in the garden. He's bought, he's purchased it back for us. He's bought us with a price back. He's bought humanity back. So there's a sense of redemption that he redeemed humanity. Our salvation, I think, is our not just. Ex- I mean, it's accepting what he's done for us. For the forgiveness of our sins, but it's also entering into a life that's steered by our Lord and Savior, that's given the power, you know, gives us the power to actually attempt to overcome <laughs> those sins. And, and and everything, all the sacraments flow out of that, out of the Mass. So confession or the, or the um, sacrament of reconciliation and penance is flows out of that. He gives us the means by which we can rid ourselves of sin and become more and more the saints that we're called to be, because we're all called to be saints. And that all happens in that Paschal mystery, which is a celebration of three days. Yeah. And I, I think you also gave us a audience from the same day, Wednesday of Holy Week from Pope John Paul II. Yes. Um, and I noticed there in his his audience homily, he says, two thousand years after these events, the church relives them as if they had happened today." And I think we kind of, I think we 
lose sight of that sometimes as as Catholics. Right. That b- because it is so familiar and ingrained to us that we're going through Holy Week again and r- really meditating on and experiencing these these days in a way that they are they they can feel very much like they are very recent or they have almost happened to a a family member you know right. you you feel very close to the events the liturgy helps you do that it helps you enter into the the reality the the shocking devastating reality of holy thursday and good friday and holy saturday right and then the utter joy and ex- exuberance of, of Easter, Easter, right? Easter Sunday. Yes. But it's I, really special. We, should, we shouldn't take that for granted. Right. And that's not just this time of year. It, it should call us to every time we go to Mass, that's what's happening. I mean, my favorite Mass of all of, and we've gone as a family for, for years. It's not, it's not something <laughs> that you bring a young child to because it would take it. It is such a long, and it's in the evening, typically. But we've brought our kids, since we've been involved in RCIA and have known people that were coming into the church during that time, but it, it's a great teaching tool because of the, you know, the light of Christ is just one light, and it kind of speaks to what is happening. You know, so if you've never been, you know, they they light the Easter candle, which is meant to meant to do it from outside the church and it comes in and then there are little candles that are taken from that candle and then passed throughout the church. So the church is dark, it walks in and light of Christ is said and then they and then they pass out that and so the candle of each one of us as we pass it down. So it that that sign shows how it's meant to be. It comes from Christ and that is meant to be his light is meant to be shared through us with the person next to us, the person that we're close to, and that ultimately that dark church becomes light because of all the people in there who have received Christ and then received him from from others and has, have accepted that light, which I think is really a pretty cool um, outward sign. Not, not a, that's not a sacrament. That's really just a, it's kind of, a, I guess it would be more like a sacramental. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on it. But I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is a, it is definitely a sign that kind of communicates what it means to be Christian, that we're meant to bring our little light, you know, this little light of mine, you know, the, the mm-hmm. song, mm-hmm. you know, um, is meant to illumine or bring l- light to the darkness and that that all comes from. Christ represented in the the Easter candle. So, yeah, and, and then one last thing about Holy Thursday, I'm not going to be able to name all three of these items, but I've been told, and sometimes priests will say this before they begin their homily on Holy Thursday at the Holy Thursday Mass, that that's one of the few days where the Church says specifically you must preach on these things, and right. I know two of them are the holy orders, the apostolic right. nature of the priesthood, the institution of the Eucharist, and then there's one other item that they they must preach on that day. And that's, uh, I, I just think that's kind of, kind of a, a neat aspect of that particular liturgy, that they're, the, well, the church back. wants to use that as a catechesis, you know? Right. The and Mass has a lot of catechetical... It does, to it. right? And as we learn the the outward signs and what they mean, and we can pass them on, there are things that, I, that at least in concept are pretty tangible. I mean, the 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 signs that the church uses, and again, from the beginning, the liturgy was always meant to be part of the teaching of of the church. It was it was something that was to be used. Those signs were meant to be used to try to teach those who were there about things that are central to what we believe. And obviously the Eucharist and the need for 
um, holy orders because they're the only ones who can confect the Eucharist. They're the only ones that can take bread and wine and say, this is my body. And then it becomes at that moment, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Um, that it's essential to what we believe um, about what Christ has accomplished for us and what he has brought to us today. And I think that that's, you know, it's not just about how we live our lives. Um, It's about an encounter, a relationship with a person who desires to enter into our lives and desires for us to allow him to transform us into the saints we were meant to be. And those signs are efficacious, meaning that they actually are meant to and are able to, to the extent that we receive them and are disposed to receive them, um, to give us the grace we need to live a Christian life, which is why they say, It's the source and summit of the Christian life. It's the source of the Christian life because it's Jesus who is the source of our Christian life. And it's the summit because it is making present again. It's representing the height of what accomplished that for us, which was his passion, death, and resurrection. All those together that that did it. His obedience to the Father, even unto death, as St. Paul will say in Philippians, which we read maybe even yesterday, but to remind us that he was obedient to the Father even unto death, a death that he didn't truly deserve um, for the sake of you and me. And that's what's going and on. And that's in the, the third item that they have to preach on in their sermon, which their is, homily, is the, the nature of the love by which Jesus loved us, that he loved us even to his death. Right. He loved us to his death, even though he didn't. And even though there were people there yelling at him from very human standpoint, well, if you're who you say you are, then come down off the cross. Yet he, he, while he could have done that, he had the power to do it. And in fact, they say that, you know, you, he healed the blind, you did all this, all this other stuff. Why can't you come down from the cross? Which is the cry of all of us. It's like, it's, it's us too. Why? we want to come off our crosses. (laughs) We want to be bailed out of those. And sometimes God can do that, but oftentimes he's asking us to suffer with him and hopefully not being crucified, but there are small sufferings that, and that's our offering back to the father understood appropriately in union with the one perfect sacrifice. So we have something to bring to the mass, which is ourselves, our entire selves, and all that we've done, good, bad, ugly, the entirety of who we are, and that it's made present at that point. And I think that's, it is critical. It's as if it was happening at, at this moment, because God's eternal, and therefore it's all, it, it all can be brought invisibly to be present and applied to us where we are today. And that's, it's not just a, a simple remembrance like, Oh, that was really cool. Or even that was awesome. He died for us and we're saved by him, but it's actually that event is made present to us in, in and through that. Right. Right. Why would you want to miss it? Right. Yeah. I guess for, for, before we move on to good Friday, that's what we're encouraging y'all today in terms of applying this to family life, to the domestic church is Take part in the liturgies of the Triduum. Right. Right. Go to Holy Thursday Mass. Stay with the Eucharist at the altar of repose. Or go visit churches if that's... Right. That's a cool... A tradition. Tradition. Go to Stations of the Cross Wonderful. or the Seven Last Words on Good Friday. You know, go to the go to the Passion Service on Good Friday. And, you know, if you, if, if your, family, if your family can handle it... <laughs> Um, in terms of the time commitment, um, go to the Easter Vigil. Yeah, I mean, the Easter Vigil, depending on how many people are coming into the church, you know, is probably going to go anywhere from two and a half hours to, I've seen, three and a half hours. Um, but but what's cool about it is, I mean, it literally from from Genesis all the way through. Right, is, all those readings. All those readings are kind of to point us back to, hey, God was saying this is what was going to happen. <laughs> 
all along. And it's cool when you get to the to the New Testament. It's still dark as they're reading. We've extinguished the lights. It's dark, and then when they get to New Testament, the God, then that's when all the lights go on. The music um, mm-hmm. steps up. It changes the very atmosphere because at that point, you know, we're remembering in that in that sense. We're remembering that all that this has been predicted throughout millennia came to fruition in, in the person of Christ and what we're celebrating in that moment. So um, the liturgy of the word in that mass is extensive <laughs> and it's really cool. If you, if, if you go in knowing it, in fact, the, the guy that, that I'm, I'm, I'm a sponsor, I, this will be the first vigil mass that I've not been to St. Mary's in decades. Um, I'll be over in Austin with, because I've been asked to be a sponsor for somebody who's coming into full communion with the church um, on Saturday at the vigil mass. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. But there, no matter if the liturgy is as beautiful or as wonderful as it is here, the same reality is made present again in that moment. And that's why we as Catholics, while we would love great homilies and we would love great music and we would love all these things, and, they, and, and that's what we hope happens, the reality is that the reality of Christ's, Christ's death, passion, death, and resurrection is made present in, in that Mass, um, regardless. So, anyway, um, did I address whatever you had said? So, yeah. So that's where that's where that is. Then, then I think this is important. He, Pope uh, Francis says, you know, Good Friday is a day of penance, fasting, and prayer. Um, and through the the text of the sacred scripture and the liturgical prayers, we will be as though gathered on Calvary to commemorate the redemptive passion and death of Jesus Christ. It is the intensity of the rite of the liturgical action. The crucifix will be presented to us to adore. So there's usually a kissing of the, usually they'll have, often they will, always, I don't know, um, where you, you go up and receive that. By the way, it's, it's cool Catholic. That, 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 that day there is no mass. Right. And the tabernacle is empty. Right. Um, and so I've always pointed out to the kids, we, we don't genuflect when we go in there because you can actually see That's right. the tabernacle open and the light the light to the right or wherever it is, the red candle that's typically lit to say he's here is extinguished. And to point to when you go to the vigil mass that after Holy Communion, it's put in there, the, the tabernacle is closed and the light is lit, is lit again. So um, anyway, that's one of my, not pet peeves, but I think it's something that we need to know. We, genu- we genuflect to one, the Lord, right? And so we, we need to know where he is. It's not, and lots of times it can become a habit where we just do it without really being aware of what's going on. And so we would not genuflect when we would go in on, on uh, Good Friday. That's right. So, because he's not present um, in that sacramental sense in that church at that moment. So, um, let's see. So, during the, during the cross, we relive the journey of the innocent lamb sacrificed for our salvation. We will carry in our minds and hearts the sufferings of the sick, the poor, the rejected of this world, and we will remember the sacrificed lambs, the innocent victims of wars, dictatorships, everyday violence, abortions, etc. Before the image of the crucified God, we will bring in prayer the many, the too many, who are crucified in our time, who can receive comfort and meaning in their suffering only through him. And nowadays there are many do not forget the crucified of our time who are the image of Jesus crucified and Jesus is in them. And I think that's a, that's really a nice tie to way we should look at life. When we're suffering, we have sufferings to unite with Christ's perfect suffering on the cross. So we can do it. But we also have to recognize that today, and that's if you reread Matthew 25, the last judgment from, I guess, about 25 on, when I was hungry, 
you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was sick, you visited me. Those, those different things that Christ unites himself with every man, so to speak. So everyone who is going through suffering, if you want to know where Christ is present, he's also present in those people. And he's pointing that out. And that the truth about who Jesus is and what he's accomplished is meant to be brought by us to them, whether it's by prayer or in person. We're, we're meant to extend his body. We're, we are his body. <laughs> we're meant to be his hands and his feet, his mouth uh, to those who are uh, suffering and struggling. So Good Friday, you know, to go through. I, I love the stations here. Um, there, there's so many, you know, the scriptural references and different things that, that tie so what he did a long time ago historically is not just a remembering. It is it is a, it is a representation that we are meant to bring out to the, into the world. So when we leave mass every every day of the year or every Sunday of the year, we're meant to extend his love in our words and our actions and what we do for those who are less fortunate or who are suffering. We're meant to extend his love to those people, and that's. Um, both in explaining what he's accomplished to us and, and, and sharing the gospel, but also to serve him in others. And I think that's, like I've, we've talked about before, we oftentimes miss, we miss the opportunities that God sends our way to serve him and other people because maybe we don't like them or maybe we think, well, they're, they're where they are because of what they've uh done and so you know it's their fault um but we still want to be able to reach out and serve others so at a minimum we fast and pray and um give alms during this time because of exactly that reason that we're meant to see him in the least of our brethren you know in the people that we run we come into contact with and who are we supposed to serve I had a I had a professor that that said that it you you learn that by where people are. If you run into somebody who's struggling or or sad or is going through some suffering, any time of the year, we're meant to see him, see Christ in those people, and when we serve those people with love for the sake of Jesus then we are cooperating with him in bringing his message of forgiveness, of love, of providing meaning to suffering when it otherwise might seem meaningless. We're, we're, we're sharing that with those people. Um, and we're providing God's mercy to them through food we bring or financial help that we bring or just the kind words that we might say. Um, to encourage them in the midst of their trial. So I don't know if you had anything more on that. Um, I just think it's really beautiful and good that the Holy Father is calling us to think about all of those who are right, who are crucified, who are persecuted, who are slaughtered who are sacrificed who all these just all these calamitous terrible situations right that by going through what he what he went through going through the the his passion and death he has he has entered into and and gotten gotten dirty and bloody and and um, in in pain, and and he's he's gone through every situation yep. that humanity has gone through. He's like he's us in all ways. Standing, he's standing in the ultimate posture of solidarity. No, nobody can be more in solidarity with us than Christ can. Right, so that's he's another... He's the definition of solidarity. He's right. the icon of solidarity. Right, and he, of all people, he's the, he's, he's the one that didn't deserve or 
need to do that. He That's did, right. He did That's it right. out of love and mercy for us. And I love, it's only so Pope Francis can say there's a line here, several lines. It says, God's love has irrigated these deserts of ours, um, and he has enlightened our darkness. And then because the world is in darkness, let us make a list of all the wars that are being fought in this moment, of all the children who die of hunger, um, of children who have no education, of, of entire populations destroyed by wars, by terrorism, of the many, many people who just, who just to feel a little bit better need drugs. The drug, I mean, he's, he always goes down, I mean, it's down to like the minuscule, I mean, making it real because that's really it because Christ entered into mm-hmm. the misery that, that is ours. Um, it is calamity. It is a desert. And so he goes back to the desert and um, he also says there are small, quote unquote, islands of the people of God, both Christian and of other faiths that hold in their heart the desire to be better. But let us tell the truth. In this Calvary of death, it is Jesus who suffers in his disciples. During his ministry, the Son of God disseminated life by the handful, healing, forgiving, reviving. Now in the hour of this supreme sacrifice on the cross, this is the line that I he brings I like. to fulfillment the task entrusted to him by the Father. He enters into the abyss of suffering. He enters into these calamities of this world to redeem and to transform. Yeah, he enters into the abyss of suffering. He enters into these calamities of this world to redeem and transform. That's right. That's he, outstanding. Yeah, he enters these calamities of this world to redeem and transform and also to free every one of us from the power of darkness, of pride, of resistance to being loved by God. That's an interesting thing because I because John Paul II was clear that part of being merciful is actually accepting the help of other people. And I think we often forget that when, when we're in need, there can be pride that says, I don't need your help, right? I don't can want I your help. Can I give a parenting example Yes, of yes. So my two-year-old daughter, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, you know, she's, she's real into that she's a big girl now. She's big. She can do this. I can do this myself. I can do this. I can do it. Pop right. up. And there have been times where I've tried to speak with her and say, Sophie, you are a big girl, and you're, you're so big that you're big enough to be helped. Right. Now we don't have to do everything for you. We can come alongside, and, and Papa can help you do something. And you can do more. There's more things that you can do, because now there's things that I can help you to do that you can't do on your own. On your own. Right. Right. That I wouldn't let you do if you weren't old enough to, you know, listen to me and kind of do as I do, like follow my example. I don't know. I don't know how much of that she's understanding, but I'm trying to but trying I, to kind of use that desire to to be a good a big girl and be responsible, trying to kind of wrest that away from being prideful and more into being a member of a community, a member of a family. And I think those are great examples in terms of beginning and, and you're planting the seeds may not fully understand, but that is exactly how we're meant to do is to show people that it's not about doing it on our own. No matter what we do, we always need help, whether it's prayers of somebody or somebody actually physically helping. There's always help that's needed. To well, all the good that us. we do is is initiated by God's prevenient grace at some right. at some level. And so I think that's an outward sign in the family, why we talk about the mystery of parenthood, where you can communicate the truth that we're meant to be in community. The, the, the part of why God has made it so that people need help is exactly for that. Right. <laughs> he, he is calling us, those who have the wisdom, the means, the whatever, to help those who don't have the wisdom, don't have the means. And so both of those have to work together. In, in other words, we have to be willing to pour ourselves out for the sake of another, whether it's prayers or physical means or I'm showing up to help you with this. And on the flip side, the person has to be willing to accept it. And so mercy is, a, is there for both, on both sides. You're being merciful if you're accepting help. And, and that is critical to understanding 
part of God's plan. Yes. So um, anyway, I, I think that's always great. So um, I think he, he ends, he's, he's always beside us. We only need to open our heart and let ourselves be looked upon by him. So again, there's a part of us that just needs to open up and say, I don't, I, I don't got it. <laughs> I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm doing my part, but mm-hmm. then I want to receive. So good Friday. Also, I think we would encourage, uh, quiet, be quiet, uh, seek, seek quiet in the family, seek stillness in the family. Try to, if you can, you know, avoid activities and, and just, Really make it a day of prayer and reflection and quiet. That's a good. That's a good thing, right? Try right, it. and that kind of leads us into Holy Saturday, which is which is John. I mean, as uh, Pope Francis says, is it's a day of silence. Yeah, it is the day of silence. It's, Holy Saturday is the day of silence. There's a great silence throughout the world. A silence lived by the first disciples in the in mourning and bewilderment, shocked by Jesus' ignominious death. While the word is silent. While life is in the sepulcher, 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 those who had hoped in him were put in a difficult test. They felt like orphans, perhaps even orphaned by God. The Saturday is also Mary's day. I think I love that he's pointing to that. Mm-hmm. She too lived lived it in tears, but her heart was full of faith, full of hope, and full of love. The name of Jesus had. Had I mean, the mother of Jesus had followed her son along the way of sorrows and remained at the foot of the cross with her soul pierced. But when it all seemed to be over, she kept watch. She kept vigil in expectation, maintaining her hope in the promise of God who raises the dead. And that's what happens on, you know, there is that right after um, there's this waiting period, which again speaks to Good Friday being part of that. But Holy Thursday, we're just waiting for the resurrection. So, um, again, he says, thus in the in the world's darkest hour, she, Mary, became the mother of believers, the mother of the church, and the sign of hope. Her witness and her intercession sustains us um, when the weight of the cross becomes too heavy for each one of us. And so, talks about the darkness of Holy Saturday as well. Mm-hmm. But... It, by entering into that, by the quiet, by the fact that the tabernacle is empty throughout that day leading up to even the vigil mass, that the church is dark um, when the vigil mass starts, all points us back to what our sins did. You know, we don't deserve him. <laughs> We've done nothing to deserve him. Yet he still comes and he went through that death that we remember in every mass in order to redeem us that he saved humanity by what he accomplished on the cross. So um, again, these are just days that we have the opportunity to enter into and try to imagine what it was like um, for those disciples as everything came to a horrible end and short of <laughs> um short of the resurrection it would have been awful it would have just gone on as it is when when many other people before who claimed to be something that they weren't died it was over but it's not over with jesus and so there's always this hopeful faithful um sense in which we wait in that, and I think I think that that waiting is really important for us Christians. I mean, I think it, at the the you know we're in a get it now. So teaching our kids that there's we must always hope. You know, in in every struggle, I've said this to my to my children. I would challenge I would challenge you that as Christians, there are always going to be crosses. There are always going to be things that don't go the way we want or the way we thought they should go. And that, that, that those losses and those crosses cause pain. And it could be his girlfriend and, you know, be, you know, boy having a girlfriend break up with him. It could be, it could be, um, I didn't make the team. It could be, um, I've, you know, I struck out when the team needed me to end the game. It could be all those different 
those are little crosses, little things that we've apparently failed, but there's always the hope of the next day. So for every Good Friday, I've always had a friend say, for every Good Friday, you can count on an Easter Sunday. It may not always be three days. It could be just one day, but it could be months. It could be years. But Easter Sunday is always out there. So we as Christians have got to be people of hope. And the way you learn that is through small things and communicating with your children. Whenever a cross comes, whatever it is, I failed a test. I, I mean, whatever it is to communicate there's something that we can do with that. We can offer that pain that comes with uh, failure, but we as Christians always trust that as long as we show up and receive his grace, that we can somehow be transformed and be strengthened to overcome that. And that we never should get to a point of despair, which our lady didn't. I mean, she's, she's the one who waited for, for that. I mean, I don't think the apostles, they thought that what had happened was final, as you can even see on the road to Emmaus as they're talking about it. We thought this was the guy, and you know, Jesus comes along. And again, to bring it full circle, at the end of that, it's in the breaking of the bread that they are reminded their hearts are set aflame and they run back to say, we saw him. And so at every moment that is a moment of despair, no matter how small, there's a chance to offer that together with what Christ went through on the cross. But there's also a sense that he's going to be there with us and walk alongside us. He's not a God that's distant. He's not a God that just watches. He's a God that walks with us and in us. And so... We're at the end. Hopefully this was helpful. I hope y'all have a blessed, blessed Holy Week. And um, please always remember to pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. God bless. Bye. From the cross to